0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away To my God and your God, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and she told them he had said these things to her. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
1: In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Amen. Happy Easter Easter. and welcome to all of you. It's just so wonderful to be able to celebrate this great feast day of the church with all of you. I don't know about you, but I've become much more conscious of the fact that we have this great liberty to be able to come together and freely worship in uh, congregations like this, while there are other Christians in other parts of the world that are not able to do that this day. This particular Feast of the Church is one of the oldest, in fact, it is the oldest of the festivals, and it is the most important of all of the festivals. And the reason for that is because what God did in raising Jesus from the dead was something that had never been done before. It is a hinge point in human history. There are certainly accounts of people who had died and who were resuscitated. But they were brought back to life in their earthly bodies, and I actually feel sorry for them because they had to die a second time. But not the case with Jesus. Something entirely different was done by God when he raised Jesus from the dead. Some have called it the eighth day of creation because in it, God created something truly new. And Jesus did not have a body like he had when he walked the earth but rather he had a recreated a new creation body. And that body is a sign to us that eventually God will make new all of God's creation. So we give thanks today for this incredible festival, something that is so important to the life of the church and so important to the life of those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus. For most of my life, I think that I've associated the Resurrection with sunrise and a bright sunshine. And I think the reason for that is because in many Protestant churches, the first service on Easter morning is a sunrise service. I remember growing up in a little church that we, Lou and I grew up in in South Dakota, a Methodist church. Periodically, we would have sunrise services at the lake. that was just outside of town. I used to think it was a pretty bad idea because the mornings were a lot like this. You really had to bundle up in order to be out there. But a lot of Protestant churches do that. And in some communities, the Protestant churches will join together and have a community sunrise service for the whole uh, town. And I think it's because of that I've always kind of made that association with resurrection and bright sunlight and sunrises. But in fact... Resurrection occurred in darkness. And my first experience of that liturgically was when I was in seminary in 1993. Uh, We had, we celebrated there, the great vigil of Easter. And we celebrate that here in this church every year on Holy Saturday. It's actually after sunset, and it's the first service of Easter. We gather out on the porch and we light the new fire. And then this Paschal candle, which is new, is brought out and and is lit from that new fire. And then the cantor will raise the candle up, but the church is completely dark and comes into the church with this single light as the congregation follows. And the cantor says, the light of Christ. And the congregation replies, thanks be to God. And finally, the candle is put in place and we all have our candles lit from that single light. And the church starts to glow. And then the cantor begins to sing the exalted. And that exalted an incredibly beautiful piece. Again, an ancient piece of music that invites us to consider the, the history of salvation. What God has done with God's people over the millennia. And as we have read through all of those Hebrew scripture passages, finally we come to the baptism Unfortunately, we had a baptism last night. We don't every year. Little Finian Trinity and Finian was a perfect baptismal child. He was it was pretty late, but he was such a good boy. We celebrated that baptism. And then finally, with the words, Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. The lights of the church come on and we begin the first uh, Eucharist of Easter. It's a glorious celebration. It's an ancient, ancient tradition. And in that tradition, we find ourselves connected with those who have done this century after century after century. And as we gather this morning, we are continuing in that tradition of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. But it began in darkness. It began in the night. I don't know if you notice in the reading of that gospel, it begins early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb that first Easter morning in darkness. It was physically dark, but she was also, she had a darkness of her heart because she was coming perhaps to pray with Jesus, to be close to where he had been buried, And she was in mourning. It was a dark time for her. But what even made it worse is that when she got there, she found out the tomb was empty. And immediately she thought that they had stolen his body. So she ran back to the disciples. And then two of the disciples, Peter and the one that's called the beloved disciple, ran to the tomb. And they got there and looked in and basically confirmed that, yes, the tomb is empty. Now, the scripture says that the beloved disciple saw and believed. So it's possible that the beloved disciple actually understood that this was what Jesus had talked about, that he would die and then he would overcome death. But there was no other explanation for those two disciples. In fact, I think that Peter, at least, returned, as it says, they returned to their homes, I think they left in despair, realizing that his body was gone. What now? And what really bothers me is that they left Mary there weeping. They just walked away. Couldn't they have done better than that? (laughs) Mary stays, weeping. And then finally she has a sense that there's someone around her. She turns around and she thinks it's the gardener. And she asks him where Jesus' body had been taken. And then finally, suddenly, Jesus says, Mary. And she knows in that instant that it is him. And in that instant, her darkness is broken into by the light of Christ. I believe that we find Christ, especially the resurrected Christ, in our darkness, I think that's when we seek the one who can bring light into the darkness. And our darkness can take so many forms. It can be the disappointment of a dream unfulfilled, of a job that's been lost, of a financial setback, of a child that's having problems that's very difficult. It can be the disappointment of a relationship that's, that's died or that is broken, or the realization of some personal failing. Our darknesses take many, many forms. But what Easter says to us is that the resurrected Christ can break into our darkness just as he did to Mary's darkness. I think we struggle with this whole idea of the resurrection. I don't understand it. I can simply say that. I do not understand it. And I think... I think part of the reason is because what God did was so completely new, so completely different, so beyond our understanding. But I do believe that if we think about how the disciples' lives changed, we can believe that it was something that happened, something that happened in in their lifetime that, that changed their lives, that transformed them. If you'll recall, when Jesus was arrested and then when he was crucified, the disciples were in hiding. In fact, it says that they locked the room. They were in fear. The only disciple that was at the foot of the cross was the beloved disciple with Jesus' mother and the other women. And it's always been very interesting to me that throughout the gospel tradition, in all the accounts, the women are the first ones that the resurrected Christ reveals himself to. And it is the women who are faithful to the very end and are even there at the cross. So it is a a, a very interesting thing that happened, I think, when we see that these disciples who had been so fearful and had gone into hiding believed that everything that they had hoped for was dashed, that it was all over. But then something happened to them, and they were transformed. They became witnesses. They had no fear. They had no fear of death. They began to proclaim the good news. And part of that good news was that Jesus had risen from the dead. And the thing that I'm always just amazed at is that us gathered here this morning, we are here because of their witness, because of their transformation, because of the resurrection. I believe that the resurrection makes a difference in the lives of Christians. I have uh, recently been uh, troubled, as perhaps many of you have, by the stories of the persecution of minority uh, religions, and especially persecution of Christians in uh, the Middle East and in parts of Africa. Uh, I've, I was reading uh, the other day, of a Pakistani Episcopal priest was telling about the persecution that occurred in the 1970s. And, and now it's even worse because of the brutality of the Taliban and Al-Qaeda in Pakistan. But the Christians who are there are still able to continue to love the people that persecute them. And I think it's because of the resurrection, the reality of the resurrection in their lives. They are not afraid of death. They are able to make their witness in the face of even that brutality. We are 100,000 Anglican Christians among 30 million Muslims, said Bishop Emeritus of Peshawar. The Taliban and Al-Qaeda have told us to leave or be killed. Instead, We wash their wounds and provide them tender care in our hospitals when they are injured. We are not leaving. We are continuing to serve, to carry his cross, and to follow Jesus by loving those who hate us. I believe that is the power of the resurrection in the life of Christians. Believing in the resurrected living Christ. Makes all the difference in the world in how we live our life as Christians. And when the light of Christ breaks into our darkness, we are transformed. I pray that each of you this day may have a clear sense of the resurrected Christ, present with us and present in your life. Now, especially on this day, I want to be sure that all of you know that whether you come here almost every Sunday, or whether you're a visitor here for the first time, a person of perhaps a different tradition or of no tradition at all, you are welcome as we gather around this table to celebrate the Eucharist this day. Because it isn't Becky or I or Rob who invites you to receive communion. It is the resurrected one. And we gather around, around this holy table in praise of the one who rose from the dead, And as that hymn says, taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Amen.